step into a Slim Jim. Yeah, just bump the mic as you do sound. it. <laughs> oh, it's not. Oh, oh, this isn't gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, it's a Slim Jim. I love Slim Jims. I eat like two or three Slim Jims a week. I love Slim Jims. This smells like dog food. And what Slim Jim is it? It's the original savage size Slim Jim, three times bigger than the original Slim Jim. Take, it smells awful. Take a bite. Oh, like I said, I'm gonna eat it. She does not look happy. Slim Jims are meant to be eaten on a smaller scale. Welcome to the Butts in the Seats <laughs> podcast, episode number 62. This thing is huge. I'm Nick, alongside <laughs> Emily, who decided to make uh, poor choices today. Well, here's the thing. It's Halloween Havoc Night. Halloween Havoc is brought to you by Slim Jim. Yes. We've been seeing the Randy Savage Slim Jim ads for weeks now. I've been wanting to get us some Slim Jims to eat on the podcast. Nick made it known that he would not eat the Slim Jim. He's not a fan. So we went to the dollar store, or Five Below, and they had this Slim Jim with Randy Savage's face on it. It's like, I have to. I don't have a choice. I have to buy this. I'm realizing now I should have got myself a Snickers. I guess, yeah, you should have. The problem is I don't want to stop eating it. It has that sort of flavor to it that, like, oh, it's terrible. Let me take another bite. The WCW of snacks. Oh, God, this is awful. Let's keep going. I mean, we keep coming back to it. We have a podcast. The inside rapper says, unleash your savage so meaty. <laughs> it's awful. You want to talk about, you know, this whole general show or you want to just eat a Slim Jim? I think I'd enjoy the Slim Jim more. Yeah, this is uh, ooh, this is a bad omen for uh, upcoming shows. Before we get into it, Nick, what is it we do here every week? We trudge through the muck and the mire that is Vince Russo's WCW and have to deal with all the politics and the bullshit from that goddamn politician Hulk Hogan. We'll talk about him later. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. This is bad. Yeah, this this just snuck past the wire for a worst major wrestling show. Yeah, it was really hard for me to get there, if I'm honest. So this is going to be a really fun recording. So yeah, it's Halloween Havoc 1999, live from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Paradise, Nevada, not actually in Las Vegas. So I'll tell you the attendance first, and then we'll play our little Price is Right game. There's 8,464 in attendance. The arena holds up to 17,000 people. Yikes. So, a little less than half capacity. Yeah. And I have no idea how many of those actually paid. Yeah, I was wondering how much of it was actual, like, paid tickets versus gifted tickets. Because there were certain points in the show where it kind of was clear that these weren't wrestling fans. Yeah, weird weird crowd tonight. Yeah, awful crowd. But let's play the pay-per-view buys game. For scale, last month... Did 130,000 buys, which I think was like an all-time low. Pay-per-view before that did 235,000 buys. And last year's Halloween Havoc did 310,000 buys. Wow. Emily, how many people bought this show? Remember, they didn't watch the show first. I'm going to say 120,000. 230,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's up a lot from last month, but like pretty much on par with the month before. So wow. I don't really know what to make of that either i'd like to see what next month's pay-per-view buys are like something tells me probably not good yeah exactly let's get into the actual show we start with the opening package highlights the goldberg versus sid feud and the hogan versus sting feud and does include the line that sting is back and back in black in case you forgot yeah which you might have you might have it's been a while 
And then just start as you mean to go on. We leave the package and we open with a <coughs> from Tony Schiavone. You know, I'm going to give that up. It's just bad timing. Like, that's not his fault. No, it's not his fault. But it's just one of those like, okay, this is going to be. We're sets the tone. Yeah, we're starting off on a bad foot. Might as well stay on that bad foot. Yeah. I did like this set better than last year's Halloween Havoc. Yeah, because the big pumpkin and the gargoyle are back. I swear he was moving around. This felt more like it was intentional movement, not just like rocking. I didn't take too much note of it. I just liked it a lot better. And we open with breaking news. Rey Mysterio is hurt. I'm pretty sure this is the Ready to Rumble injury, but I could be wrong. I'm so excited for us to watch Ready to Rumble. You have a while. So, because Ray's hurt, the filthy animals are stripped of the titles, and tonight it'll be Harlem Heat versus the First Family versus the filthy animals for the title. They led you to believe that Ray and Conan weren't here tonight. That's not true. Yeah, because the filthy animals are Conan and Kidman, and Ray is here. Yeah, he pops his head out from backstage a few times. Yeah. It's a three-way tag team match, which, I forget if they said here was a false count anywhere street fighter. I didn't catch it. Yeah, but it's not for the vacant titles, and then... Also announced is Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner for the TV title. I think I missed them announcing the Benoit-Steiner match. Yeah, they were just running through the card yeah. and they were like, hey, it's this. Yeah. Did you notice the graphics kind of got an upgrade on this show? A little bit. Yeah, like the, the title title cards. You just saw spiders drop down from the uh, top of the screen. You're like, ooh, budget. <laughs> no. No, when they're announcing that a match is for the titles or not for the or like whatever, like the first match is the Cruiserweight title match. There is a graphic that like... Has the Cruiserweight title match on it. Like, that's cool. It's got a budget. Speaking of production values and budgets, I forget what exactly we were watching, but you realized that the WWE Network and Peacock have been using very specific stock music. (gasps) Oh my God, what were we watching? I think it was Thunder. Okay, so back in the day, I used to do a lot of video editing on particularly iMovie, the free software that comes with with Apple computers. And there is one audio bit on that. I don't remember what it's called, but it goes and there's like four different versions of it depending on how long you want it to go. And I used to use that all the time for like I would edit my morning announcements for school or something. So I heard that in the background of something wrestling related. I think it was like somebody's entrance. It was I just can't remember if it was Nitro or Thunder at this point. But I heard it. I was like, oh, my God, Nick, that's that's not his theme. And he's like, what do you mean? How are you know? How do you know that? Like, that's stock iMovie music. I know that is stock iMovie music. I could pull that up on my computer in about 30 seconds. When I can tell, you know it's bad. Well, let's go to the match version of stock music because that's Oof. pretty much how this feels. It is the Disco Inferno versus Lash LaRue for the Cruiserweight title. Bobby calls Disco Inferno as he comes out. Half man, half goose. Why? He's wearing a feather vest. I guess it's goose feathers to Bobby. It's basically a palette-swapped version of the attire he's been coming out recently. He took it this time as goose. LaRue comes out in a Lash Vegas shirt. Oh, I didn't catch that it was Lash Vegas. Yeah. Ironically, I would not bet on him winning. (laughs) That's a Vegas joke. And this podcast is brought to you by DraftKate. No, it's not. (laughs) Disco dominates early on until Lash picks up the pace and hits a power slam. Lash hits his version of shake, rattle, and roll, which is a lot more long form than than some of the other ones. It's a little more rattle, less shaking and rolling. The two brawl outside for a little while. Lash counters a diving axe handle with a flipping power slam. 
Lash tries for a diving Hurricane Rana, but only gets a half rotation on it. Oh, and... yeah. That looked like it hurt. Yeah. He, like, slammed down. Painful. You know how much I love a diving Hurricane Rana. Lash counters a last dance and, and hits a backbreaker. Disco then counters a corner attack and then hits his spinning neckbreaker and a Russian leg sweep. He goes up top and hits his dancing elbow drop. Disco hits a pile driver, but Lash kicks out. And then we get a spin-out powerbomb from Lash, but Disco kicks out. We get the finish, which is just a lot of miscommunication and mm-hmm. spinning around in circles, which leads to a an inverted atomic drop and then a last dance from Disco, and Disco gets the pin. This was a really slow and clunky match, especially for it being a cruiserweight title match. Yeah. It was bad. Considering Russo, I'm not sure the cruiserweight title. I'm sorry, who? Sorry, the powers that be. Yeah, get it right. Yeah, it's they're sticking with that. This is the first mention of the powers that be in this match, so... And it, and it was also the hundredth mention of it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's every other sentence. But with the powers that be, I don't know how much fun the cruiserweight title scene is going to be. No. It's very disappointing because I love the cruiserweights. Disco Inferno himself looked good. Like physically, the match did not do good for him. Yeah. Well. It looked like he's been hitting the gym. He looked he looked pretty ripped. Look a real jack baby. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it can't get any worse than this. Nope. I'm having a really hard time getting hyped for this show. I'm sorry. This was such a bad show, guys. So, by the way, post-match, like, Disco, like, half tries for a handshake, and Lashiru just hits his finisher on Disco on the belt, and I'm like... Was that his finisher? That was just a powerbomb. No, it was, like, a weird kind of slam. It's it's an unimpressive finisher, but... It just looked like a Mark 1 Mod 0 powerbomb to me. His incredible move. Yeah, right? But just the sore loser from Lashiru. I'm like, all right. He's a heel. Also, we rewound to listen to this. I swear something's up with the file they used for Disco Fever because we both kept an ear open for it the second time. I swear they drop in the guy saying N from like N-W-O. Yeah. But like the it was like. Mm. Like it started. They went, oh, no, no, no. Not this one. Not this file. Wrong file. It could have been. I don't really get why. It, it, it'd be different if it was like, oh, it's the leftover file and they just, you know, missed it. But like the fact that it's only like. One syllable yeah. and just a weird audio glitch. It sounded identical to that. So it it could have been anything. It could have been a bunch of things. It's just the fact that it was the right tone for it to be the N. It, it, yeah, it made us both be like, hmm? It's the white rabbit. <laughs> I did think this match was serviceable, but yeah, not super exciting. Serviceable, not good. Really boring opening match. Anyway, let's move on. Tony Schiavone then throws their clip from earlier tonight of Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit arriving. And they tell Saturn to shove the revolution up his ass. Yeah. Remember that. We then go backstage. Mike Tanay interviews Harlem Heat and <laughs> notes the, notes that it's false count anywhere. I forgot about this interview. Booker cuts a good promo about, like, growing up on the streets, like, learning to fight. and It's really heartening. It's very much like, I've had a really hard life. I've had to battle a lot of things to get to where I am. And then Mike Tanay is like, I relate to that. Verbatim. We were, we were both like... Excuse me, Michael Tanay, you are you're trying to relate to Booker T? How were the streets for you, Mike? Yeah? Did you grow up in the slums? Both of us were like, wait, what? Uh Stevie Ray talks and and I'm really trying to figure out how good Booker is versus how much is it just him outshining his brother? Oh yeah. Stevie just has nothing to him. Yeah. He just has weird verbiage that makes you makes you kind of keep your ears open. It's on like neck bone. A lot of fruit booties. Yeah. Why are we all about fruit booties and candy asses in this era? I don't know. 
Let's go to that match. It's for the tag team titles. It's the first family, which is Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart versus Harlem Heat versus the Filthy Animals. And for some reason, the first family come out in Halloween masks. Oh, yeah. All three of them are wearing like scary ass masks. I don't know why. I Did, couldn't didn't, tell didn't you. Didn't play in anything. Nope. I guess just because it's Halloween. I guess. There, there really wasn't much like of, of a Halloween element to this show. No. It was scary bad. It was awful. Filthy animals come out wearing the belts, and the commentator's like, oh, I, well, I Enjoy it for the next seven seconds. Just will have to return those. Yeah, because the whole thing was like, they've been, the belts have been vacated. Nobody has the belts right now, but these guys are walking out having the belts. What? what? I mean, I thought it was silly that they even got stripped, because you could just claim free, free bird rule, and it's like, okay, any, any one of the filthy animals can, like, sub in for Ray. Yeah. Fucking Rick Steiner got to sub in Judy Bagwell. <laughs> That's true. You're right. It's not unprecedented. So the bell rings and weapons are immediately flying. This Okay, this was a shining light of a match in a stinker of a show. It was a fun, messy brawl. It was awesome. Nobbs gets thrown into the front row. In the ring, Morris hits Booker with a trash can lid, and then Booker ducks a trash can shot, which, which hits Morris over the head. Jimmy Hart tries to get involved, and Booker chases him up the ramp, but Nobbs stops him. Harlem Heat and Nobbs brawl around the set as Morris brawls with the filthy animals in the ring. We get a press slam to Kidman onto a setup chair, which Ooh, yeah. could have looked worse, but it still didn't look fun. Backstage, Harlem Heat crash into cardboard boxes. Wait, you missed the cemetery demolition going through oh, the, yeah. the coffin. Who got thrown through that coffin? I think all three of Nobbs, Booker, and Stevie did. One of them got thrown through it, and it just crumbled like cardboard. It was beautiful. And they like got thrown into the headstones. The whole set, this is the, like the second match, the whole set is just like demolished it's great jimmy hart gets a table for morris as knob sets book up on a table backstage which we never really see what happens with that table yeah we it's implied that someone goes through it but we never see it in the ring morris hits no laughing matter on conan who's laying on the table and this might injure conan it's really hard to say because of later backstage booker hits knobs with like a decorative mummy they found and both of those were like the yeti the yeti the yeti has been weaponized literally this thing looked exactly like the like it looked like it looked like concept art for the yeti this was a mannequin that they were like let's use this to figure out what the yeti needs to look like and it's just been traveling around with the group ever since to be fair this is very much the case of the yeti looking like a mummy more than a mummy looking looking like the yeti tomato tomato they, they weaponized our boy, but it was amazing. And he broke. They broke him. His, like, leg snapped off. This thing had to have been, like, styrofoam. This is enough to pin Brian Nobbs, and Harlem Heat have won the match, but I guess... They have to get back out to the ring to claim it. Well, they also go out to, go to the ring to, like, get their belts. Yeah. Just no one knows that it's happened, because I guess they didn't cut to it on the, on the screens or anything. Because as they're walking to the ring, Kidman pins Hugh Morris. We did not see how. And then it's like, oh, there's two winners. And the ref's like, nope, actually, Harlem Heat won. So, yeah, they got there first, so um, no takesies backsies. So happily, they do get the correct call, because I was worried. I'm like, oh, is this going to be a whole thing? And it's like, okay, yeah. well, no, I guess it just gives the, ch- the Filthy Animals a chance to, like, get a rematch at some point. Yeah, you knew ten time. Ten time. Ten time. No, we're, ten not, time. we're not doing it. <laughs> They're ten time tag team champions, Harlem Heat. And this is where Conan definitely gets some medical attention. He's either really good at selling it or he's shooting her. That's the thing. He, he could just be really good at selling this. For some reason, Rey Mysterio and Tori Wilson appear on the ramp and just look at Harlem Heat. Tori's wearing like a headband as a shirt. This was a fun, messy match. 
It was a lot of fun. Like, this was a really... I would go back and rewatch this match. I wish it had better camera work. I love the shot of the cardboard boxes. Like, it reminded me of the 24-7 title at... um. Show some respect. That's the hardcore title. Okay. The hardcore title on SmackDown. It gave me those kinds of vibes. And when they crashed through the wall, yes, this is the second time. Okay. I was going to say it's the second week in a row referencing the hurricane, but there seemed like two episodes in between that. It's just the second time in a week that we have referenced him. (laughs) We might have. He's actually come up quite a bit recently on the podcast for some weird reason. (laughs) When they go through the cardboard box, it just reminds me of the hurricane swinging in, which is just like the best moment in wrestling. Bar none. (laughs) We go from one of your boys to one of your anti-boys. Backstage, David Flair and Ric Flair arrive, and Ric has a crowbar. I really thought it was a tire iron. I was about to get excited, but then it was a stupid blue crowbar. DDP then comes out, but not for his match, and has Kimberly with him. Kimberly is in a mix of dark green and light green, and why not? Let's do a... (laughs) Who's that Pokemon? (laughs) Why not? All right, there were a plethora of answers for this. <laughs> Emily, what did you end up with? I went with Metapod. I felt like that was a pretty solid answer. Okay. I mean, he's got the lighter green and the darker green. I was going for like more of the shadowy greens. Yeah, he definitely has that. It's one of those, again, where you know we, we talked about the 3D models and all that, where I, now it's all flat lighting, so yeah. no, no shadows anymore. I went with Chikorita. Yeah, I think the green on Chikorita is a little too light. But I see where you're going with I was going for more for, for the contrast yeah. between the two. I was uh, going for the melding versus the contrast. Yeah. Bul- Bulbasaur also came to mind. I think Axu was another one. My sh- first thought was Scyther, but the colors didn't really match. No. Nah, too much white. Yeah. So Kimberly recaps what happened on Nitro a little bit. She says that Ric Flair spanked her 14 times. Which is too many. Which, from all accounts, seemed to be the only thing that happened. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was, like, according to the conversation that is had, it doesn't seem like they had sex. No. No one really seems to be claiming they did. No. She just got spanked, which is weird. Yeah. That's not erotic. If nothing else is, like, that's just the foreplay, but for nothing. Kimberly does note, when her and DDP are together, intimately speaking, 14 times is just a warm-up. Good lord. And when Paige does it, it's a good thing. And when Flair does it, it's a bad thing. I'm like, is that the origin of this? I think this is the origin of his downfall of WWF. (sighs) I remember when we were watching the invasion or whenever DDP had the stalker storyline. That's the invasion. Or it's like right at the start. It's around that time. Because like you were hyping DDP up like, oh my God, DDP's coming. You're going to love him. And I was like, this guy kind of sucks. Like his character's not fun. His matches aren't good. What do you mean I'm going to love this guy? And you just kind of looked at me like, this isn't DDP. <laughs> to be fair, I think the match is sucking is more uh, the case of the guy across from him. The Undertaker? Yeah. But Undertaker doesn't want to have a good match. Oh, Undertaker okay. does not have a good match. I thought you were saying he was a bad wrestler. I was like, pardon? In 2001, he's pretty bad. Sometimes he doesn't want to put that effort in. Fair. Anyway, DDP says he loves Kimberly, hates Flair, and after tonight, Flair will never forget DDP. He then runs through the events of Nitro and... And yeah, he's, he sticks with the spanking storyline, which is, is now important because he has challenged Ric Flair to a strap match for tonight and has a very difficult time getting the strap off of his body. Yeah, he has the strap wrapped around himself and it just keeps getting caught on various parts of himself and he can't get it off. It's kind of sad. Yeah, so the strap match they're going to do is just a like, okay, we're tied together, pin your opponent, not the weird four corners thing. Yeah. 
he makes a bunch of spanking masturbation jokes. Classic. So we'll get to that match later. I don't know. Are you excited for that? I was a little bit. I thought it would be fine. I don't know. I didn't know. I still don't know if I'm excited for that match. It happened. It was there. In a match I was excited for, we go backstage. Goldberg is looking for Sid. Go elsewhere backstage. Mike Tanay is interviewing Eddie Guerrero and notes that no one is allowed at ringside from either of the two groups. Yeah, so the Filthy Animals and the Revolution are both barred from ringside. And as Mike Tanay notes that no one's allowed at ringside, like, Kidman and Tori Wilson, like, scurry off. And I'm like, were you just exiting the scene awkwardly? Or was it like, we're going to go have sex? I think it was an awkward exit. <laughs> Eddie then checks out his new watch and says that every revolution comes to an end. It's very but, lame Miz of him. <laughs> so let's go to his match. It's Eddie Guerrero versus Perry Saturn. And uh, Eddie leaves the watch with Bobby Heenan as he doesn't trust Tony. Oh, I love that little bit. It's like, it's a stolen watch. (laughs) Lots of run countering to start and Saturn gets dumped to the floor. And I don't know what happened to the crowd, but they just are dead. They don't care about this match. And And it it reflects on Perry and Eddie. Yeah. Because you can kind of tell that they're shaken in the ring. Like, they aren't used to wrestling in front of a silent crowd. It's weird. Yeah, Saturn counters a Hurricane Rana into like a lame power bomb. Yeah. Low impact back springboard cross body from Saturn. And they just like get into a rest hold and think they're kind of going, what the fuck do we do? I don't know. I think it was a fine match, but like the crowd really ruined it. It could have been a fine match, I guess. Yeah. Saturn throws Eddie into the air and works over the arm. And then Eddie gets the better of him and does the step over Saturn's face, which is always a spot I like to see. Crowd didn't care though. <laughs> T-bone suplex from Saturn as he switches to working over the leg and still no crowd noise. Back suplex from Saturn and the two have a lengthy chat. Oh, yeah. I think this is this is where they're like, what the fuck do we do, man? Do we just end this and get out of here? Saturn counters an armbar into a back powerbomb and, hit, and hits a lion salt, but Eddie gets his knees up in a second lion salt attempt. His moonsault looked actually really good, though. Like, it, it was a pretty moonsault. Yeah. Brainbuster from Eddie then goes up top and misses a frog splash. Eddie counters a springboard move with a drop kick and a very Kidman-like move. Saturn hits a super T-bone suplex from the corner and Eddie rolls through another top rope move and, and hits a superplex of his own. Then we get a Ric Flair coming out with a crowbar and he attacks Eddie and the ref calls for a DQ, which I can't remember the last time we actually had a legitimate DQ finish. I feel like it's just, oh, it's okay. It's That's true. We'll just throw it out. Yeah, it's just kind of been no contests for a while, but no, this was a DQ. Kidman then comes out, too, and gets hit. Tori Wilson gets in the ring, and Flair tries to woo her, and then Ugh. forcibly kisses her, Ugh. which she likes. It's such a weird line. Yeah. It's like, is this assault? Yes, but she likes it, so it's okay? I don't know, ma'am. Gross, regardless. Much like the Slim Jim. Why am I still eating this? Like, I don't want to stop eating it. Flair leaves to go to the back and then remembers that Bobby Heenan has his watch, so goes to get it from Bobby Heenan, and then it goes back to the back. Yeah, this was a flat match, and I had to scream. I don't think this was good. I think even if we watched it on mute. It was, it could have been fine. I never said good. I said fine. It could have been passable. Well, yeah, this I mean, was a bad we, match we've, because. We've seen this match twice recently. Yeah, but this is this was a bad match because of the crowd. Yeah. It could have been better if they had something to build off of. Yeah. These guys are charismatic. They know what they're doing in the ring. Like, this could have been a good match. Yeah, it definitely threw them off their rhythm. And yeah. To a certain degree, they, they do need a little bit of blame for that, but. This is the match that made me think, like, okay, the people in the audience are not wrestling fans. These are people who were given free tickets i think just it's just been a messy feud where like the, I, I know they've had two matches but there's not really a big feud between the filthy animals and revolution i don't know with these two i don't think it matters 
I don't think it matters if it's a bad feud or not. These are good wrestlers. They should be able to put on a good show. Oh, yeah. Let's move on to backstage. Goldberg is attacking Sid, and she's, like, standing over him, punching him. Sid gets up and is gushing blood. Remember that, I guess. Then we get Buff Bagwell coming out with a microphone. Woo! He's gonna talk! He talks about Monday and the writers and says he has a problem with Jeff Jarrett. Yay. Buff then says... I'm going to make it happen, and calls out Jarrett. Jarrett runs out, the two brawl, then we get the total package coming out for some reason. I guess he's mad about Elizabeth. Okay. Buff holds Jarrett, and the total package goes to swing Jarrett's guitar at him, but Jarrett moves, and it's the one thing they didn't want to happen, and it's actually the real thing they didn't want to happen, because the guitar doesn't break (laughs) on Buff's head. It just donk. Donk. I like I was probably sore then. Luger just takes the the guitar and whacks it against the turnbuckle. Like fuck it, this thing is breaking. I don't care how. Yeah, I think maybe he just like like it looks fun. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, Jarrett bails, and this was a weird segment to, that doesn't lead to anything. At least on the show. I really don't know if I want them to do more with Jeff Jarrett or not. I know they're going to. Yeah. I don't want it right now. They're not doing anything with him. This is nothing. Yeah, you need to establish Jeff Jarrett a little bit is the other problem. Yeah, he's just kind of like dude in a white tank top with a guitar showed up. I think that might be the most apt description of Jeff Jarrett I've ever heard. (laughs) I'd nail that one. Sometimes you just get the gimmick. (laughs) Is that a gimmick? That's a non-gimmick. Talks about stroke. That's really the only part you're missing. He hasn't spoken. He never said stroke. No, he did. Did he? On, on Nitro. He's like, I got your stroke right here. I thought that was Buff. I thought Buff was the one taunting about the stroke. It both. I don't remember <sighs> Jeff Jarrett ever speaking. Yeah, he spoke very briefly after he beat down Buff. But Stupid. Oh, don't worry. We'll get to hear him talk probably a lot. And, you know, if you ever Too wanna, much, maybe. <laughs> well, if you want to really see him talk, we'll, we'll watch some um, early days TNA. Oh, yeah. We've talked about watching TNA eventually. Let's go backstage. Sid stops the doctor from giving him stitches and is yelling, let it bleed. Again, remember that. And then also backstage in like one of those, like, why are we seeing this? But commentary does note that we see it. So it's not even one of those like weird, ambiguous, like, oh, we just, we as the audience need to see this. Eddie Guerrero is in pain. is like holding his, his like ribs and stomach. He's on the phone with Rey Mysterio who tells him to come back to the arena because Ray went to the hospital with Conan. Yeah. Basically, the only note that I wrote for this whole backstage segment, like both these together, was everyone's fucked up. Speaking of fucking things up, let's go to our whatever number match of the night. I didn't take numbers. Yeah, it's Berlin with the wall against Brad Armstrong. It's really sad how little I care about this match. For the record, because it came up with me and Emily chatting, they still have not called him the wall. Right. I think I had manifested hearing commentary call him the wall, so it turned into a bit of an argument between the two of us. I guess he's just the bodyguard currently yeah. on commentary. So the match starts. We get some very basic chain wrestling. Quickly get a USA chant, which, which flames out in about five seconds. Yeah, because, again, who gives a shit about this match? Berlin catches Brad leapfrogging with a powerbomb and then hits a spin wheel kick. Snap suplex from Berlin, but, but Armstrong hits a running crossbody. Very standard action. Virtually no heat for this match. Yeah. Berlin goes for his finisher, you know, the neck breaker, but Brad holds on to the ropes, so Berlin crashes to the mat, and Brad Armstrong, not any sort of technical pin, not any cheating pin, just straight up pins Berlin. In the lamest fashion possible, he won. And immediately gets beat down by the Germans. Like, what? what? This was such a dumb match. This was such a, like, a, a bad match to start with, because again, who'd care? But then to have it end like that, I was like, awful. Awful. Yeah, this was... 
stinker. Yeah, I mean, in ring, I mean, he was, you know, I guess technically sound, but if that's the highest compliment I can give something, it's probably not. This is the first time I've noticed, though, that Berlin, the wrestler, is slated to be from Berlin, Germany, which just kind of annoys me. That's like the least clever name you could give. I'm actually wondering if they've said it before, but we famously can never understand what the ring announcer is saying. True. Slash, like, even hear him, so... Maybe, yeah. Wouldn't drop me if they they, they said it. Just like, you know, it needs to be not unintelligible. You were you were likening it to um Usnavi and in the Heights. Yeah. His name being like US Navy. That's at least cute. It's clever, that at least. This is just like, oh, you're from Berlin, your name is Berlin. Ah, but my name has a Y. Haha, I'm different. Speaking of why, why did Brad Armstrong win this match? Why was this a match? Who cares? Okay. Place your bets now. We've we've done this before. Will Brad Armstrong be on pay-per-view next pay-per-view? No. Will Brad Armstrong even be on TV in the next two weeks? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Let's go backstage. Mike today is interviewing Ric Flair. Flair chats filthy animals a little bit, and then Mike asks him about the Eddie call and the DDP match. Flair again confirms he just spanked Kimberly. Lots of wooing, and uh, he does imply he's going to bang Kimberly tonight, but... I don't like this storyline. It's just gross to me. Came really out of nowhere. Yeah. Why Kimberly? Because they want to break up the Nitro Girls. Yeah, we haven't seen the Nitro Girls in weeks, though. Yeah, I guess actually like performing. To dance? Yeah. yeah, no. They just really need that one extra person. That's why. <laughs> All their choreography is messed up because they need that one other girl. Let's move on to our match that was announced tonight, which kind of seemed weird, but I guess it was a title rematch. It is Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner for the TV title. Bell rings. Steiner immediately bails to ringside. Chris Benoit gets WCW'd, as I've heard the term before. Oh, what does that mean? It's when the heel goes to the outside, the face chases them, heel gets back in the ring, and when the face gets back in the ring, he gets stomped. Okay. Well, yeah, that is exactly what happened. I think it's more of a thing in the earlier days, but that is like a just one it's a of, verb. <laughs> yeah. Steiner works over Benoit with strikes. We get a pop-up power slam from the DFG. That was a cool move. But wait, can we talk about the DFG real quick? Sure. This was a whole this was a whole discussion we had during the watch. It takes me a good 30 seconds after every time they call Rick Steiner DFG to know what the hell they're talking about. I cannot liken Rick Steiner to the dog face gremlin in my brain. It's not the same. But also It's not a good nickname either. Whenever they say DFG, I hear BFG. I hear Big Friendly Giant. Yes. And when I think BFG, I think the big fucking gun. <laughs> I just, I can't. When they call him the DFG, I just, I can't. I'll, all I hear is the rolled doll book. It, it's weird. Why the dog-faced gremlin? Because he's got a dog gimmick? He doesn't have a dog face. He's a man. He's a human. He has a human face. I wouldn't even say he has jowls like a, like a bulldog or anything. Ironically, Rick Steiner is friends w- w- with a different DFG in, uh, in Nitro. Hmm. He's friends with the dumb fucking giant. Oh, okay. Poor Paul White. No, I was saying Sid. Okay, well, <laughs> the big show was called The Giant. Big, listen, Big Show's having a rough time on the other show. His dad just died. <laughs> Boss man's there. If you ever take a trip to Cobb County, Georgia. Big freak show's fake daddy died. <sighs> okay, anyway. one more bite. One more bite. One more bite. And then I'm done with this thing. No, you're not. You freaking want to fry it? Fuck Just smell it. <laughs> Please just smell it. It smells like pepperoni. That does not smell like pepperoni. It does. That smells like dog food. It smells like pepperoni. It smells like pepperoni. Benoit hits chops and then a superplex. Benoit tries for a crossface, but Steiner drops to the floor. Benoit follows him out there with a dive. 
Back inside, Steiner pushes the ref and then low blows Benoit. And then we get some slow action. Steiner dodges a drop kick. And, um, man, every, for every one of these matches, my former love of Rick Steiner just makes me a little sadder. Yeah. Speaking of Steiner, where the fuck is Scott? I don't think he's back for a while at this point. Then why did he come back? I don't know. I, thought, I, just, I just thought about that just now. He wasn't on this show. Yeah. Benoit tries to roll through a power bomb, but just crashes to the mat. And it was unclear if, if that was a botch or not, but it worked cleanly enough to yeah. where it was just And he just could like, sell it well enough. Too. Yeah. They didn't try to like immediately, oh shit, like like move on or like. Or, like, or let's do it again real quick. Yeah. Do it right. They just kind of roll with him. Like, okay, cool. Professional. Steiner runs Benoit into the top two turnbuckles, but it only gets a two. We then get multiple German suplexes to Benoit, and commentary even noted, like, oh, this is what he usually does. Benoit counters a suplex into a DDT and then hits a shoulder block. Benoit hits triple German suplexes with a bridge at the end. Benoit back elbows the ref by accident, and then Rick Steiner grabs a chair. Benoit hits a T-bone suplex to Steiner and then punches the chair into Steiner's face. And in a move that wasn't a great plan to begin with, Chris Benoit lays the chair on the chest of Rick Steiner and goes up top for the diving headbutt. I guess the plan is to headbutt, headbutt the chair? Headbutt the chair into Rick Steiner. Oh, God. However, Rick Steiner then throws the chair into Benoit's face at in mid, the air. mid-dive. Ugh. Yeah, oof. Oofta. Dean Malenko then runs down, grabs the chair, and... He's here to help Chris! Yeah. I didn't see it coming when he ran out, but once he grabbed the chair, he d- he did the, okay, I'm going to wind up to hit this one guy for a real long time, oh, just swerve. kidding, I'm hitting my friend! Awful. I got swerved. I did right, god damn it. You got got. Not necessarily a matter of getting got, it's just like... I, I, I didn't really want a Dean Malenko heel turn joining the revolution. Which, it doesn't make sense for him, for Dean to be joining Perry and Shane, though. Like, at all. No. It doesn't make any sense. All it does is solidify Chris Benoit as a singles person. Who can remember what happened all the way on Monday with uh, Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn? That was like seven whole days ago. It was six? That's still too many. Yeah. That's still six too many. Yeah. If it didn't happen an hour ago, I don't remember. So Steiner pins Chris Benoit, Dean and Perry Saturn hug on the ramp. We were talking about this during this match where it's probably almost better for Chris Benoit that he doesn't have the television title weighing him down. And it's like, oh, you actually might be able to like go up to the main event scene. Yeah, he has enough going for him that he doesn't need the television title. Meanwhile, there's not a lot left for Rick to do. So the fact that he has the title kind of like gives him something to do. He just had the title and didn't do anything with it. I'm just saying, like, Chris Benoit did not need the title. He had enough going on in his own storylines and, like, his own momentum in the company. Didn't need the title. Give it to somebody who might use it. With the new powers that be, maybe Rick will use it. So, I guess Dean Malenko's on board with Shane Douglas now, but we did not see him on this show. Any thoughts on the match as a whole before we move on? No. Yeah, it was, eh. it was pretty flat. It was pretty boring. And the the swerve was annoying. Let's go backstage. Mike tonight interviewing Bret Hart. Bret says it's not the first time he's wrestled Hurt, and the fans are behind him. And says he'll beat Luger, and that was pretty. That's kind of it. it, yeah. Yeah, they they're still figuring out the backstage. They're going interviews. to it a lot, though. They're doing trial by fire. Yeah, and we get that match. It's the total package with Elizabeth versus Bret the Hitman Hart. I still really don't like Luger and Liz's entrance. It needs to be more robotic coming out from backstage. He needs to be consistent. He needs to learn how to properly tear off his tearaway pants. Oh, yeah. He they did get, great that first time. Yeah, they get they get stuck on his leg a little bit on this yeah. one. But really, he just needs to start in the ring. 
Him walking down yeah. the ramp to do his entrance just kind of kills the gimmick a little bit. If it starts with like a dark ring and then all those spotlights come on and Luger's just in the ring, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Listen, it's not something you're going to hear often, but credit to 2005 WWE. They figured this out for Chris Masters. I don't know much about Chris Masters. I'll have to show you his entrance. You've mentioned him a couple of times in reference to Lex Luger. <laughs> not fucking total package. Muscly guy with a um, submission finisher who... People said it had a lot of promise, and I just kind of never saw it. <laughs> yeah, well, what do you know? Match starts, the two immediately go outside. Brett headbutts the midsection of the total package, and commentary cannot stop calling him Luger. They're on my team. Hart is on offense for a while, and isn't even falling for, like, for like distractions. Just like, yep, this Bret Hart is better. The total package gains the advantage by raking the eyes, and then we get a Russian leg sweep to Luger, and fuck it, I give up calling on the package. Thank you. Finally. You you did it way too long. Co- commentary stopped trying. I'm like, you know what? Fine. Good. Brett goes for the sharpshooter, but Luger pokes him in the eyes, and then both men tumble to the floor in, I don't know whether it was meant to be a callback to Royal Rumble 94, but it was like the same kind of style. It appears Brett has injured his leg on this. It's the same injured leg from before, so it's I a mean, work. yeah, they might have just like made it worse. We then get in the ring, and Luger locks in a single leg Boston Crab, and Brett Hart taps out. We were both shocked at this ending. Yeah. It's like, what? What? Like, I, I'm i not against Luger winning. I am. Not like this, though. Push Bret Hart. What are you doing? They're never gonna. I don't know why they won't, but they're not gonna. Wrestling's not that hard. <laughs> Booking wrestling, that is. Wrestling itself, that is difficult. Yeah, why don't you get in the ring? No, this was really sad. So, do, do you know why the total package won? Because mm, Russo hates Bret Hart. Because Russo thought it was too obvious that Bret, Bret was going to win. He's been swerve, losing so swerve, many matches. Swerve. He's been losing. Swerve. That's not a swerve. swerve. This All is the, the internet fans know, brother. This is the beginning of the end for the show. You thought it was bad up to this point? Wait. This is when I started to lose my fucking mind. Well, there there is some stuff before this. Not much. Anyway, bad match. Sorry, let's sum yeah. up that match before we move on. Yeah. I'm already, I'm getting angry. I'm getting heated. Yeah, we're, weirdly paced match because Brett's just on offense and then he loses. He, he lost so quickly. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even a struggle to stay in the, the hold. Yeah. I'm sad. It's not Bret Hart. Mike Tanay interviews Goldberg backstage. Goldberg shows some pretty good intensity, but doesn't say much a note. And then we get Medusa coming out. In a hell of a bikini. Tits fully out. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she is here to sell the nitro cologne. <laughs> and fucking the entirety of this segment, Bobby Heenan is burying this cologne and how awful it smells. And Which like, just made me want to look up how much I can get it for on eBay. <laughs> but at the time, I, I know he's the heel commentator, but this wouldn't make me want to buy the cologne. Yeah, no. Because even Tony's like, oh, yeah. Mm. It's not great. I can get a... Uh... A sample for 20 bucks on eBay. Or I can get a three-pack for $120. So Medusa's annoyed about having to sell the cologne and tells commentary to tell the writers that this is bullshit and then throws it all over Bobby. Dumps this thing on Bobby. Yeah. I wonder if it really was the cologne or if they like did it with, with water. I think it was actually the cologne. Yeah. I, I don't think that they would do water. Or they thought it was going to be water and then somebody, you know, somebody ribbed them and actually used the cologne. But let's move on. For some reason, somewhere around the middle of the show, we're going to go with our main event, or was advertised our main event for the WCW title. It is Sting versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. We get a video package, and then uh, Hogan's music hits, and geez, the whole thing plays. 
he just doesn't come out. I gotta find my zen. Hold on. As she reaches for a beer. Sting's music then hits, and it takes him a second, but he actually does come out. He's holding the title in his hand. Like, he already looks a little bit annoyed. Although, I, I wrote stoic. The, the two are yeah. kind of synonymous. See, I said that he looked angry when he came out, and you're like, no, he looked stoic. Like, I don't think so. So, Hogan's music hits again. Again, plays for a while, but he actually comes out, and he comes out in street clothes. Hogan gets in the ring, whispers something to Sting, and then he just lays down. Sting pins him, and then we immediately cut to the Goldberg Sid package. Is it a work or is it a shoot, Emily? I don't care. It was insulting is what it was. <sighs> For the record, it's obviously a work. The plan is to have Hulk Hogan come back as a anti-authority babyface a la Steve Austin. Emily, can I make you even more mad about no, this? No, I'm sorry. I'm already mad. Emily, I'm pretty sure they don't talk about this at all on Nitro. I think Hogan's. A fucking course. I they think don't. Hogan's gone for a few months. A few months. Yeah. Good lord. I don't think he's back until like January or February. You want to want to express your, your your thoughts and feelings. What made it worse was the panning and focusing on all of the people in the audience wearing, the children wearing sting masks, the adults holding up Hogan as my hero. Like I shouldn't still be offended by this shit. This is the finger poke all over again. The finger poke at least had more story around it. I yeah, never thought I I'd say right. that. This this literally has, you know, potential story, and then they don't really do anything with it, to my knowledge. I could be wrong, but I'm, I tried to do a little research without spoiling anything for myself, but he's not on Nitro. Is Sting? Yes. Does Sting say anything? Not really about that. He just says that Hogan put them in a situation. Why are we still watching this show? We can stop. No, we can't stop now. Yes, we can. We just got to Vince Russo, Emily. I think we should stop. No. If you want to get married, you need to keep going. We've already purchased a house. We've already put money down. It's too late for you to back out, brother. We've put no money into this. I can be done tomorrow. By the way, I do want to note. Oh, you can splice in me being excited about Russo. I just listened to that episode of the podcast. You can splice that in like right three here. three weeks ago. Yeah, that's fine. You can play this against me if... if... I said that with my whole ass chest. I said that. (sighs) This isn't even the worst part. Maybe this is the worst part. I don't know. It just gets so bad. My my notes really just kind of fall apart from here on out throughout the show because I just see... I'm seeing red. I think this was the worst worst part. Related to that, um, I think this kind of more or less spawned it. We are going to start doing uh, worst bit as well as best bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, because at the end of the show, we were like, what's your best bit? He's like, I don't fucking know. But we can opt out of worst bit. You have to find a best bit. My question is, who's your MVP? We'll get to that. I don't have one. Oh, God, we don't have to keep going. We don't have to keep going. The episode just ends here. Thanks for listening to the Butts and the Seats podcast. Well... So we need to get into our next match, which I had an issue with. It, it actually like annoyed me as it was happening. Because our next match is Sid versus Goldberg. Yes, please tell me how this annoyed you. Well. I'm sorry. I'm cynical at this point. I'm saying I'm angry. They've built this whole thing about Sid's streak. And then he didn't. We don't know what the numbers are. We at. have no idea what the number is. What the fuck was they the point? They gave up on the numbers. It doesn't matter. Who's driving the White Hammer, Nick? It doesn't matter. How many people did Sid beat? Doesn't matter. Although, based on the finish, are they going to continue his streak? Because I didn't actually get pinned. Spoilers. 
And I I fucked up. I fucked up bad and Emily <laughs> wanted to kill me. Because we were speculating, okay, if this matches now, like, what the hell is the main event going to be? Because it seems weird to have Flair and DDP be the main event. And I'm like, well, we haven't seen Hall and Nash yet. And then Goldberg comes out for his entrance and gets fucking attacked by Hall and Nash. And you were like, what the fuck? Little sneaky fucker Scott Hall does his little spooky run down the ramp behind Goldberg and beats the shit out of him. I turn to Nick and start beating the shit out of him. Not really, just pounding his arm a little bit. I love you very, very much, dear. And I start screaming, you did this. You summoned this, Nicholas. This is your fault. You did this. I I said Beetlejuice three times. You, You spoke it into existence. You did this. This is your fault. How does it feel? To have this kind of a lasting effect on WCW because you summoned them. How does that feel? Honestly, this wouldn't have happened if you didn't say that. Sorry, I just derailed my own thoughts. I, I now want to see a version of Beetlejuice where Scott Hall plays Beetlejuice. I know that wouldn't be that bad, would it? <laughs> Instead of, it's showtime. Oh, yo. <laughs> oh, shit. It should be Sting. Just every time. It's, it's showtime, showtime, folks. Every time he comes back on screen, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back in black. Oh my god, I was just seeing red at this point. Oh, I was so angry. But I, I was, took no note on the match. I was just so mad. But I was actually a little relieved because I was worried that something with them was going to be the main event. Yeah, this is the only time we see them. Yeah, it, it was that. at least quick. <sighs> so Sid is still bleeding from earlier. Hall and Nash are attacking Goldberg in the aisle. Sid then comes out to attack Goldberg, you know, on, on the ramp. Goldberg pushes Sid, who falls into the front row very theatrically. Goldberg slams Sid onto the stairs very safely. and It was very gentle. Sid is bleeding a fuck ton. Like, too much. Like, a concerning amount. By the way, there is currently a basically no blading policy in pl- in place. Is it because of Ric Flair? No, it's just... Well, not directly, but it wouldn't shock me if he was a large influence. But they did get special approval for this. Because they basically had to beg standards of practices, like, hey, like th- th- we have this whole finish designed around this, so we need him- we need him to bleed. <laughs> so they get in the ring. Sid hits strikes, including a big boot. Sid locks in a camel clutch to big Goldberg chance. We then get a big electric chair drop from Goldberg, which is actually pretty impressive to get Sid up for that. That's true, yeah. Goldberg keeps working over the wound of Sid. The wound? You mean his head? His face. But, like, specifically, like, where he's bleeding. It's disgusting. It's just gushing. He looks like a horror movie villain at certain points. It looks like, yeah, like in Saw or something where they hit the, like, the blood button, basically. It's just a waterfall of blood. Yeah, especially because he, he, like, he still has, like, the whites of his eyes, Mm -hmm. so he just looks insane. Oh, yeah, there was that one shot of him, like, wide-eyed, crazy look, covered in blood all over his face. Insane. Yeah, it's not SummerSlam 2005 where like Hogan's like bleeding into his eyeballs. No, ew, God, I don't want to see that. <laughs> it's it's kind of hilarious looking because that's also the match where Shawn Michaels just bumps insanely. I don't think I've ever seen this match. I definitely have showed you this because he he'll like push Shawn and Shawn will like flip onto like oh, over the top rope then. to the floor. I do love get a caught up like get that. caught up in like in the fucking cable and sell the cable. <laughs> Yes, I have seen that. So the ref keeps checking on Sid, and Goldberg wins via ref stoppage. 
the ref deems it too much blood and Sid is not coherent enough to continue. I mean, yeah, he wasn't at that point. He was not really getting a lot of offense. It was just like, okay, yeah, no, you, you you lost. Sorry. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Yeah. Stop. So so Goldberg wins the title and we did have a little chat about um, winning the title via ref stoppage because usually it's only by pinfall or submission. But I guess this is a form of submission. It's not is a- it submission? Okay, so this is where I had an issue with it. Like, Sid never said stop. Sid never passed out. The ref just decided it was too much. He didn't even do, like, three-arm drop, whatever. Like, yeah. He just... But I guess passing out is also ref stoppage because you don't actually submit. But that would that would be, like, more understandable of one of these two is not fit to go on because they're literally unconscious. Sid was still conscious. Like, he was, he was still alive. He may yeah, he was moving slow and he was a little like woozy loopy, but he was he was there. Oh, right, so is your issue in the ref stoppage or the title changing hand? No, really... my issue's in the ref stoppage. I, I thought it was fine. I don't. I don't think I don't think the ref stoppage should have happened. I don't mind the title change. But I I mind that it changed via ref stoppage because I also think that like this should have operated the same way like DQ finishes do. Where if it's a DQ or if it's a no contest, the t- the title holder retains. I, I it should have operated the same to me. I didn't mind it. This is basically wrestling's mercy rule. But I still think that this should have been seen as a no contest, even with the mercy rule. Hmm. Like Sid was still conscious. He was still able to fight. He was just going slow. He was just not at his peak. He was still throwing punches. I think it was basically he's like unable to like defend himself. Was he? Based on the end of that match, that's what they were going for. It wasn't clear enough. I mean, it's, this was just the ref deeming it too much blood. It's effectively like a, a technical knockout in boxing, where it's just I'm, like the ref goes, no, nope, that. But again, a knockout. Sid was not unconscious. I mean, unconscious is, is kind of relative. I think this this was the ref going, okay, lights are on, but no one's home. I didn't even get that vibe. I don't know. I'm not upset about the ref calling it. I'm not. I'm upset that he called it and the title was still able to change. I feel like one of those two shouldn't have happened. I, I'm really fine with it. I, I don't think that makes me hypocrite, but maybe it does. It might. I don't know. Uh, Rick Snyder then comes out to protest, but then helps Sid to the back. Sid starts going back towards the ring, but then is stopped and, you know, keeps going towards the back. I mean, he's clearly knocked a bit loopy here. Or... Yeah, he's loopy, but he's he's walking himself to the back. He's making the decision to no, go back to the th- ring. Like Snyder's helping him. He's on his own two feet. He's not yeah. being stretchered. Admittedly, as much as I was fine with the concept of the ref stoppage, this was just unsatisfying. I don't know how much of it was it designed was. to be. It was unsatisfying. You know what else was unsatisfying? This whole fucking show. This is where I wrote in my notes, Nick is my worst bit. I thought that was for just, just for Holland Ash. This is when I made the, made the decision. I love you so goddamn much. How, how am I a bit? <laughs> Nick is my LVP. We're not doing that. Because it would just be me every week. Yeah. <laughs> or me, Russo. Yeah. Yeah, my guess is they're going to keep the, the quote-unquote streak going because you didn't pin me. I didn't submit. Let's take a bet. Do you think that they will mention the streak in the next two episodes? Yeah, yes, I think, yeah? I think. They haven't mentioned the streak in the last, like, three episodes. I think they're going to get to the next pay-per-view and then Sid will actually be at the number. I think that the streak is dead. I think they're dropping that storyline. I don't think we'll ever hear about it ever again. I mean, I, I don't. I don't see a reason to not just have Goldberg win, is the thing. I don't either, but I don't think we'll ever hear about the streak again. Oh, we'll see. <sighs> Let's move on. This is my worst pay-per-view. Tony and Bobby throw to the strap match, but not like it's the main event, just like it's the next match. It was kind of weird, because I'm like, yeah, you don't have another match, because you don't know what's going to happen right. next. Yes, they do. Because um, the thing that happens next is Sting comes out oh, looking annoyed. again. 
He throws the title on the ground in the ring, and I was like, oh, fuck, what's about to happen here? But he says he didn't come to Vegas for a night off and challenges anyone in the back for a match later tonight, and then says that it's showtime, folks. I can't do this again. There's there's no reveal for who that's going to be, but Sting did come off like a bit of a face here. He did, but I don't want to cheer for him like he's a face because of the fuckery he just pulled 10 minutes ago. I don't want to cheer for someone that had anything to do with that match. I was led to believe that was entirely on Hogan because Hogan whispers whatever to Sting because I don't know, but I, I blame Hogan for that more than Sting. Why did Sting go along with it? I mean, you're depending on the title. The dude literally laid down. He's not going to wrestle you. Whatever. I'll just, we need to move, you know, move it along. No, that's not a good enough answer for me. I don't know. No, I'm not going to cheer on anyone that had anything to do with that match. Hogan, Sting, doesn't fucking matter. Any res- any ref, writer, who cares? I'm not a fan of them. If that's the shit that they're going to pull. No, Sting is not a face to me. Well, I mean, he's been a heel, but this just seemed weird. But this seemed like he's trying to be a face, and I'm, he's I not a face. I don't think I realized how mad you were at Sting. I'm angry about that whole segment. It's insulting. It's the same way I was angry about the finger poke. It insults the intelligence of any wrestling fan. Yeah, the finger poke was at least two men colluding. This was, this was one man being a mopey little f- fucker. It still makes it seem like you don't give a shit about your fans. I think this this kind of more redeems Sting. Because basically, I didn't come to the show to have a night off. I'm going to fucking wrestle. So I think you need to give Sting a little bit of a break here. I would have given him a break if he had come out and like buried Hogan for something. If he had acknowledged what had happened, I might give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, God. I wish you knew things. Oh, Emily, you will eventually get a moment like that. And I think it might be it might be cathartic for you or you might hate it and i don't know which but you have a while to go so let's move on to our last advertised match of the night it's rick flair versus ddp with kimberly in a strap match ddp declines getting strapped to start but eventually does they brawl up the aisle and then through the crowd and get some very safe strap shots from each other to not hit the audience members you really have to be careful with this spot like this because like the crowd kind of converges on the two of them he, if you kind of swing it the wrong way, that's a lawsuit, dude. One angry wrestling fan is going to be like, Ric Flair hit me. Sue him. Or you're Brock Lesnar and just throw a car door into the, into the, into the yeah, stands. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. By the way, one of the best chants I've ever heard was people going, that's a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't know if they were right or wrong. That's a sad thing. So it's back around the ring. Uh, Rick kisses Kimberly against her will twice. Uh, Fun. Stop doing that. DDP punches Flair, who blades, and um, remember what I just said in the last match? What'd you say in the last match? Blading is not supposed to happen. Ric Flair did not okay oh, this by anybody. Rick Ric Flair saw Sid do it and was like, mm, let me get in on that. And people were also pissed at him because Ric Flair is Ric Flair and bleeds a lot. And it's like, we just had a match end by a rough stoppage and you're like- You're almost, ruining it. You're almost bleeding more than him. <laughs> you're ruining it. <sighs> but- I'm sorry. That's just the sound of my soul now. But I did have the thought of Rick saw Sid's blade job and the rest stoppage and just goes, and I took that personally. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I'm wondering if he asked to do blading and production said no. And he saw Sid do it. it was like, fuck you guys. I'm doing it anyway. I mean, there is the famous story from um, from WrestleMania 8 where it was no blading and Flair clearly bladed. <laughs> And then got to find out the ass. And Brett also bladed on that show. What was a lot more sneaky about it. Like, like, oh, no, it was hard way. <laughs> and he did not get fined. 
the problem is like you kind of we used to do time to blade for Ric Flair. Like it's so expected from Ric Flair. It's not as expected from Brett. Like he can get away with it a little bit more than Ric Flair can. The second he comes up from the floor and he's bleeding, you know what he did. So DDP punches Flair on the announce table and then mocks Flair with with a woo. Then get a bang bang elbow drop from okay. DDP. He signals for the diamond cutter, but Flair low blows DDP and the crowd is just dead. Yeah, why was the crowd so dead here? I wonder if they were still pissed. I, I, wonder, mean, I wonder if they were pissed from, from the Hogan-Sting match, and then the last match didn't really get the crowd back. I would have left at this point. I've said that a couple times to you while we were watching. I would have left. I think, that honestly, the, the, the Sting promo might have been the only thing to keep me around, but... I, I would have pulled the car around, gone and gotten some McDonald's, and then come pick you up at the end. Flair punches DDP right in the dick and then, <laughs> and then hits a knee drop. He locks in a figure four, but DDP kicks out of the pin of that twice and then manages to get to the ropes. Flair punches DDP in the face a bunch until DDP low blows Flair twice. Paige chokes Flair with a strap and hits a diamond cutter and pins Flair. But in a weird spot, Charles Robinson only counts two, but then still calls for the bell like, oh no, that was the finish. He like hesitated on the three. Yeah, we're like, oh, is it Flair favoritism or just a blown call? But it was weird and then... DDP hits a diamond cutter on Charles Robinson. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I guess that this kind of confirms that Charles Robinson is still in cahoots with the Flares. Yeah, or or it was a fuck up and just a good audible. Maybe. I don't know. David Flair then runs down to the ring holding the crowbar from earlier. Kimberly knees him in the groin and then gives the crowbar to DDP who hits Flair in the groin with the crowbar. DDP then diamond cutters David Flair twice. Then an elbow drops him in the dick and um, David Flair is no-selling that within about... 30 seconds yeah he's like up and walking around like checking on on rick i think he's crawling like, dude, but you, still he's like he's not like, he's out. not like oh my dick like he's he's just like alive rick flair then gets stretched to the back and he's not my actual mvp but give the man credit charles robinson is crying that <laughs> like man, real ass tears yeah he managed <laughs> to get real tears that was impressive yeah. I will give him that. Like, the big boss man is about to come, you know, steal Ric Flair if Charles Robinson keeps this up. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think Charles Robinson even realizes that that, uh, that Rick called David Little Nate. No, I, they never acknowledge that. They never will. So Flair is stretched to the back. This was not a good match. No. Which is unfortunate because this had some potential. I guess, yeah, it did have potential. I mean, it's two guys who can work. The second that Ric Flair bladed, I was out. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know where it's going from there. A strap match did not allow the two of them to show their actual skill set. I think it hindered them more than anything, especially DDP. Yeah. Mostly DDP. Well, let's go backstage. The filthy animals attack Ric Flair, who was on the stretcher, throw him in the ambulance, and then hijack the ambulance. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I really thought that a cameraman jumped in the ambulance with them but he was just running alongside. I was kind of hoping. I could be mistaken, but I think we're about to not see Ric Flair for a little while. So we're not going to see Hogan for a while. We're not going to see Rick for a while. What the fuck is happening? They, they want some, some new blood in there. But I could be wrong. Maybe it's not this soon. But I know there is a, um, a famous way in which people get rid of Ric Flair around this time. Oh? I will say no more. You'll have to wait. For, you'll have to wait. I really hate when you do that. Let's go to our makeshift main event. We haven't seen Michael Buffer in a long time. I miss him. He Wasn't he in uh, Atlanta a few weeks ago? He was. If he was in Atlanta. Because he doesn't call Lex Luger the total package. He calls him Lex Luger, doesn't he? No, we thought he was going to call him Luger. He does call him the, the oh, total package. Okay. But it's Sting versus question mark. 
And I'm like, is this match going to be for the title? Tony says no. Keep that in mind. Right. We were chatting about who we thought it could possibly be. I figured it was going to be either Benoit, Bret Hart, or the man it actually ends up being, Goldberg. Who did you think it was going to be? I thought it was going to be Benoit because, like, Benoit answered the call out a couple weeks ago. So, like, that's already been set. I didn't think it was going to be Bret Hart. But the fact that it was a non-title match, I'm like, okay, so Goldberg's definitely winning. Right. And they they did say it was a non-title match. Yes. Which, the title was not held up at the start of this match because there's no referee. Which apparently was a shoot. There just wasn't a ref available at that moment. <laughs> I think his Charles Robinson was still... Reca- recalibrating? Well, recalibrating, but he was involved in the end of that segment. So I, I, don't, I don't know if they had him queued up or just didn't tell him or what. Yeah. But Charles Robinson not being out there to start was actual. He just, oh, yeah. we need a ref. <laughs> oh, ref. So match starts, Goldberg works Sting over with strikes. There's a weird vibe to this match of, I think it's just the crowd being salty about the entire night. That's fair. Again, I wouldn't be here anymore. Sting hits a top rope splash, and then he hits like a kind of spear to Goldberg, and Goldberg hits a spinning kick, misses a spear, and crashes into the turnbuckle pads. Sting hits three stinger splashes. Goldberg counters a Sting attack with a spear, then hits a jackhammer and pins Sting. And... Then he's given the He's given title. the belt. Like, as I, if the title was on the line. But we we just we just established this wasn't for the title. Even Tony Schiavone's like What, what um, are you okay? What, New what? world heavyweight champion, I guess. The problem is I don't know if they're that disorganized or if this is gonna be a story. It really could be either. I know, that's the problem. Something tells me the disorganized side. I'm thinking story. I I'm rooting for story. I don't don't want things to be like that. So Goldberg is now a double champion when both belts in the same night. Not my undisputed champion. Jericho will always be my undisputed champion. Charles Robinson tells Sting what happened because Sting is kind of like, where the fuck's my title belt? He does not seem happy with the answer because Sting attacks Charles Robinson. No kidding. And that's how we go off the air. I wouldn't be very happy about it either. I wouldn't attack a ref, but I'm not happy about it. What the fuck was that show? Let's talk about that match first. Um, thoughts on the... Bad. The Sting Goldberg match? It was, I mean, I guess it wasn't bad compared to everything else that we watched tonight. It was passable. It was fine. Not a main event. It was passable, like... fine. I mean, at least it was a little bit of light as opposed to just anger. But even the light came with the weird... I guess, light... I guess he won it. The light flickered. Yeah. Because it was still bad. The ending was still bad. Yeah. It was, it was a fine match with a stupid ending. How many times have we or, said that about a WCW match? Stupid. See, the thing is, bell to bell, it's fine. It's re- literally, as soon as the bell rings and he's handed the title is when it gets right. Worth. But yeah, that, oh, man, this, um, this is the worst show we've watched. This show took a lot out of me. Even the, the shining light early on is such a mess of camera work that you can't even register what's happening. No. And it's a weird finish of, oh, they also got pinned. I still don't have an MVP. No. I have a best bit. I have an LVP. I have a worst bit. I don't have an MVP. Well, any uh, any closing thoughts on this show before we, we get into all that? It's been a calendar year for Nitro of us watching this show and reviewing it for this podcast. Yeah, we didn't really chat about that We at didn't the acknowledge that at the beginning. I think we were just so like... Fuck, ah, this fuck shit. it, let's yeah. get into it. Let me light a it, cigarette. It didn't seem like a time smoke. for celebrating. <laughs> no. 
But yeah, it's been we've we've watched an entire year of WCW programming. It feels yeah. like it's in a very different place. It really does. Although a lot of the same characters. I was going to note Halloween Havoc last year had the uh, had the snafu of the main event not being shown, and this one, the main event would you know oh, was yeah. an advertisement effectively. I forgot about that. Yeah. Remember when this like the, they would always go off the air with like. Uh, we can't see the end of this match. Okay, sorry, we're off the air. Bye. We never saw an ending to a match. Just thinking about the stuff that we used to bitch about. Yeah. The DQ. We haven't said that in a long time. I don't know if they're getting better or just like. Or co- are we just saying covering fuck the, it? Or they co- maybe they're covering their tracks and actually just having things be non-DQ more often. Maybe that is true because that has kind of been coming up more often too. This show makes me question everything we're about to get into. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we're not close to the end. No. We have a year and a half. We have a year and a half in the calendar from like until the end of WCW. We have a bunch more episodes slated, so we have a long fucking time to be suffering through this. I will this say this. And this episode is the first time, and I'm like, why are we doing this? I will say this. Vince Russo is not around for all of it. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Well, we'll see if he's refined his style on the next Nitro, but... I doubt it. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into best bit... Worst bit and MVP. Emily, what is your best bit? (laughs) Because it made me laugh, I'm giving my best bit to the Yeti being weaponized. (laughs) It made me laugh. I had a feeling this was going to be the era of Emily finding the fuckiest bit. I need to find the ounce of joy that I found. And that is why it is best bit, because it doesn't need the whole match. It can just be the bit. (laughs) Stupid little bit. The match was great, too, but uh, the, the Yeti. I'm going to actually give my best bit to the, the actual main event. Sting Goldberg? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> what were the other options, Emily? No, I thought it was at least an attempt to send the crowd home happy, and I, you know. Yes. And um, we'll see if it sticks, but it actually is nice to see Goldberg win the title. I even, guess. even under the weird circumstances. We'll strip him of it in some stupid way. The very least, everything else is is going downhill. You still have Goldberg. Protect him at all costs. That's true. Nick, I'm going to ask you to do your MVP first. We're gonna do worst bit first. I don't think it's hard to guess what the worst. I think we're the same one. It's the it's the fucking Hogan Sting match. Yeah. If you can even call it a match. Yeah, the, actually, the bell never rings to start that match. It just <laughs> it yeah. just ends it. Yeah. And then, yeah, MVP, you have no idea. Can you go first? <sighs> I have one in mind. Yeah, I'm going with Goldberg, I guess. I guess. I mean, probably a better one than mine. Yeah, he managed to salvage a little bit of the night. And listen, I know he won by rough stoppage, but, like, had a smart plan. Attack Sid backstage. Yeah. Then just beat the shit out of him in the ring, and then later on... Win the title, I guess. Because also, depending on who came out for, for that like open challenge, yeah, that could have been an absolute dud. And the fact that it was Goldberg, I'm like, okay, something might happen here. Yeah. Like, if that had been fucking Jeff Jarrett, or like Buff, or like Ernest Miller comes out. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the cat in a minute. Brad Armstrong, <laughs> high off his win, beating Berlin. The only MVP I can think of to give it to is DDP because he loves his wife. <laughs> okay. That's all I got. I just want you to imagine a worst case scenario for a minute. Because we, we actually did joke that we thought, we were like worried like Kevin Nash is going to come out with the title. Yeah. What if Hogan came out in the red and yellow to answer Sting's challenge? 
after doing the laying down. I would have so many questions. <sighs> I think I would probably tap out for a little while. It's a good thing that we're not recording for a little while at this point. Yeah, we The listeners will never know it because of how we're scheduling our releases, but this is the last episode that we're recording in this space, and it's the last episode that we're going to be recording for, like, a month. Yeah. Because we have a lot going on. Yeah, we are uh, packing up all of our things and moving into a house. Yeah, so DDP is my MVP, I guess. Why not? Why not? He loves his wife. God bless Kimberly. God God bless Metapod and uh, and Chikorita. (laughs) Oh, God. So... (laughs) Until we get to the second Vince Russo Nitro. Like, um, Ed Ferrer's getting off light. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod, as well as on Facebook at the Butts in the Seats Podcast. I posted a picture of my giant Slim Jim on Twitter. You can listen to all our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. I think I got all of them. Did but- you say Amazon? Amazon, but I don't even know if I did. My brain is fried from this show. And uh, this will come out on Halloween, anniversary of our first first show, which means we will be at the AEW show in Baltimore on uh, on the 2nd. So if you're one of the other apparently only 1,000 people who bought tickets to that, um, come maybe, hang out. Yeah, maybe we'll see you there. Have a beer. It'll be fun. By the time this comes out, we'll have seen Extreme Rules. Yes. Hopefully, I really hope it's a good show. Hopefully it's better than this. God, I hope it's a good show. I hope it's not Clash at the fucking castle. Oh my god, Nick, what if it's like Clash at the castle? Emily, don't don't look back in anger. I am. After this episode? Ugh, Emily, any uh, final thoughts? I want to go to bed. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to just cry. <laughs> I don't even know how to get a transition out of that. I guess I'll see you next time, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we're going somewhere <laughs> not as bad as here. But thank you for listening, assuming you still are to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye!